to the book of Exodus in the third chapter. Exodus chapter 3. And I know all the adults are, you're wide awake. You're ready to go. So I have the easy job in the church this morning. That's to teach the adults. Because y'all are ready to go. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 3, please. In the word of the Lord, I'm glad to be here today. Thankful to be here today. Praise the Lord. Third chapter of the book of Exodus, beginning with verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Lord, we come before you right now. We stand in your mighty presence. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in and through your word today. We submit our hearts, minds, spirits, attitudes, thoughts, our bodies to you right now, that your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, Exodus chapter 2, a few verses before, uh, sets the stage for what is happening in the third chapter. We preached this to you last Sunday night. And the Bible says in verse 23, it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. So what we see is God is beginning to prepare things for the deliverance of his people for the exodus to take place. So we have the king of Egypt dying, which is the king that wanted to kill Moses. Remember, Moses had to flee to the backside of the desert because Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was wanting to kill him. Now, why did he want to kill him? Because Moses killed an, an Egyptian and buried the Egyptian in the sand. So Pharaoh wanted to kill him as a result of that. And Moses flees to the backside of the desert and he's there for 40 years. Now, when we get to the third chapter, we are beginning to move into a different section of time in the last uh, 40 years of Moses' life. Y'all with me here? Okay. So this king of Egypt dies. Now, God is preparing the exodus. He's preparing the deliverance to take place by the removal of this king. Now, I want you to think about that. It's a very serious thing. Sometimes people have to be removed before God can continue His will in the earth. Sometimes we don't think about that. But there are people like the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, who would have been a hindrance to God moving and God's will in the earth. And so God lets us know in chapter 2 that that king that would have hindered his will has been removed 
and taken out of the way. So sometimes, sad to say, people have to die before God's will can be done. Sometimes people have to be removed because they are hindrances to the will of God. So in this case, the king of Egypt or the Pharaoh has to die. He has to be removed off the planet in order for God to be able to do His will and purpose in the land. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that person that God has to remove so He can do His will. But I promise you, God, anything that hinders the will of God, God can step in and remove it. He can remove you. He can remove me. He can remove anything that is hindering His will in the earth or in the church. I want to be in His will. I don't want to be outside of His will. I don't want to be an enemy of God that He has to remove in order for His will to be done in the earth. But the Bible tells us in chapter 2 and verse 23, the king of Egypt died. So God is preparing the land by removing the king. Do you understand that? He doesn't always have to kill somebody or a person to die for that to take place. He can just simply remove them or replace them with somebody else. Do you understand that? Now we found out before something about that Pharaoh. That Pharaoh knew not Joseph. He didn't put value on the man of God. He didn't put value on the things of God. He didn't put value on the Word of God. He didn't put value on prophecy. And so when you know Joseph has died, this king rises to power. The Bible says he didn't know Joseph. And as a result of that deficiency in his life, it will cause the destruction of Egypt. But before the destruction of Egypt takes place, he dies. And then the Bible tells us something about the people of God. It says the children of Israel sighed by reason of their bondage, and they cried, and their cry came unto God by reason of the bondage. So finally, now remember Joseph, or not Joseph, but Moses had tried to reveal himself as the deliverer of Israel. After he killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand, he saw two Israelites fighting. He tried to intervene and break them apart, and he's rejected. You remember that? Okay. So at that time, Moses was not received. At that time, at the beginning, he was rejected by the people. But now, God is readying the church. He's readying people for deliverance. See, a person can't be delivered until they get ready to be delivered. A sinner will not be saved until they recognize their need for salvation. So what happens is God allow a person to go through very, very difficult times in their life. In this case, the Bible says they were in bondage and they were crying by reason of their bondage. It was a very painful situation they were in. And God was using this to bring Israel to a place where they would seek Him. And we said it again, amen, Sunday night, that until God gets you and I in a place where we want deliverance, we won't be delivered. So it's really the grace of God in your life. If you're going through this, through something this morning that has brought you to the house of God, you're going through something in the, this morning that's very difficult in your life, if it brought you to the house of God, you need to praise God for it. 
Because what you're saying is, I'm tired of living the way I've been living. I'm tired of, of going through what I've been going through. And as you come to God, then God can step in and help you and God can deliver you. But I want you to understand, God cannot deliver a person against their will. So He allows hardships to come to us so that we'll cry out to Him. He allows difficult situations to come to us so that we'll want to be delivered and we'll cry out to God for deliverance. And so we see that God readied the land by the removal of a king and He's readying the people by their cruel bondage that they're in. And now they're finally crying out to God by reason of the bondage. In verse 24, the Bible says, And God heard their groaning. And God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. God cared. He cared. God is a compassionate God. He looks and sees the condition of His people. He sees them suffering. He sees their bondage. He hears their prayer. God cares about them. Amen? This is something that the unbeliever does not want you to see about God. The unbeliever wants you to see, and I'm talking about officials that are in the world. I'm talking about government leaders. I'm talking about people in authority and people in positions in power. They don't want you to see that God is a compassionate God. But I'll take it a step further than that. The devil doesn't want you to see God as a compassionate God. He doesn't want you to see a God that cares. He only wants you to think that God is a God of judgment, that God is cruel. He wants you to think that God is mean to you. Ooh, I hear the Holy Ghost. God cares about us. He has compassion over us. If judgment comes, it's not because God just enjoys judging people or He's cruel and mean. If judgment comes... It's because of the failure of man. Judgment comes because of sin, because of the failure of mankind. If judgment comes in my life, it's not God's failure, it's my failure. If judgment comes on a church, it's not God's failure, it's the church's failure. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is a good God. God cares about you. Amen? But the devil wants you to think that God is mean and cruel and unkind and He doesn't care. The Bible says He saw His people in that condition and He cared. He is a compassionate God. He cares about you. He cares about me. And if I'm going through something this morning, it is because of my own failures. It is not because God has failed me. It's not because God has forsaken me. It is because of my failure today if I'm being judged. Do you understand that? But the devil doesn't want you to see that. He only wants to come to you and tell you that God is mean and God is cruel, you know. No, God cares. God is a compassionate God. And if judgment is on me, if I'm going through something, it's a result of my sin. It's not a result of God's failure. God cannot fail. He can't fail me. He can't fail you. If you're going through something right now by way of judgment or correction or discipline, who failed? God didn't fail. Man fails. And so we have to see God. And I'm going to preach God. I'll preach His judgment. I'm called to preach His judgment. He will judge sin. He will judge the sinner. 
He will judge this planet. The book of Revelation is full of the judgments of God that are about to fall upon planet earth. The book of Daniel tells us what's going to happen uh, as armies begin to move in the end times. Judgment's coming. The storm is coming. But it is not because God is mean or cruel. The Bible literally says in the prophets that judgment is God's strange work. It's not something that God enjoys doing. It's not something that He delights in. It's His strange work. If He's got to judge, He's got to send plagues and judgments. It is His strange work because God is a God of love. God is a God of compassion. But He's also a holy God. And because He's a holy God, He will judge. But if you get on the right side of God, if you'll cry out to God for deliverance, if you'll cry out to God for forgiveness, He provided that through Jesus Christ's death on the cross for us. If we'll turn to God, God will come and help you. But as long as you forsake God, as long as you run from God, as long as you turn from God and try to do it your own way, there will be judgment that will come upon your life. So the Bible tells us God heard His people's cry. He cares. He's a compassionate God. How many of y'all believe that God is a good God? And when you're going through things in your life, you have to be careful because you might give up on God. You might say, I just don't think God's going to help me. I've been waiting so long for God to help me. You have to... You, you with me here? You ever feel that way? I've been trusting God. I've been believing God. And God hasn't come and helped me. God hasn't stepped in. God hasn't intervened in my situation. What's going on? Is it because God doesn't want to help you? No, it's because somewhere along the line, somebody doesn't want deliverance. Somewhere along the line, somebody's not ready to be saved. Somebody doesn't want to be saved. Somebody doesn't want to be delivered. That's what it's about. It's not about God not coming to help you or not caring or not being compassionate. It's not about God forsaking any of us. He cannot deny Himself. It's about God having to work with a person or a situation to bring them to a place where they recognize their need for God and until they get to that place, they won't turn to God. So I want you to understand when the devil comes to you with those lies and says, God's not going to ever help you. He doesn't care about you. No, He does. He just got to get me in a place and He's got to get you in a place and He's got to get people in a place and He's working with situations so that people will turn to Him for that help. God is a good God. He is compassionate. He's caring. He's loving. He's kind. He's merciful. He's gracious. He will help you. He cannot deny Himself. So I don't know what you're going through in your life. But I will tell you, my God is faithful. The God that I serve is faithful. I've been living for Him for over 30 years of my life. I got in the church when I was 18 years old. I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost at 18 years of age. And over 30 years I've lived for Him. And I've never one time saw God fail me. Not one time. Never has He failed me. I've been through difficult situations. I've been through difficult times. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I've gone through times where I had to just wait on God and trust God, but I never did think that God didn't care. 
No matter how bad it looked, I never thought God didn't care. I always said, God, you're working right now to bring this situation to an end. You're working right now, God, to bring that person to a place where they'll cry out to you. I call you today as your pastor, as you listen to me to preach, I call you if you, in your mind, you have swallowed the lie that God doesn't care, that God can't help you. I call you to repent of that. And I call you to glorify Him. I call you to live for Him. I call you to be faithful to Him. I call you to worship Him like you've always worshipped Him. I call you to pray to Him like you've always prayed to Him. I call you to get yourself right with the Lord. I call you to repent because God is faithful. God is good. Are y'all with me right now? And you're going through something you say, I, just, I don't know. God's letting me down. No, God is not letting you down. You need to lift up your hands and you need to stand in the presence of God and you need to worship Him and you need to thank Him that He's in your life. You need to thank Him that He cares. You need to thank Him that He's a compassionate God and you need to trust Him to bring the situation to an end so that people will turn to God. Amen? And you might be the one this morning that needs to turn to God and you're in the church. Do you understand that? So the Bible tells us, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 1, now God intervenes. It's time the people are ready. Planet Earth is ready because... This king is removed. Now Moses can come on the scene. Moses can go back to Egypt and be used by God to deliver the people because that king that wanted to kill him is dead. And the people are ready for that deliverance. Finally, after so long. So the Bible says, now Moses, we know that he escaped to the back side of the desert. He's been there for 40 years. What was he doing? The Bible says Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. So now we see Moses, who was the prince of Egypt, who had to flee out of Egypt because that king that died, that I read about there, was trying to kill him. And for 40 years, the first 40 years he lived in Egypt, as the prince of Egypt. The next 40 years in the wilderness, he learned how to be a shepherd. And for 40 years, he's been shepherding sheep. The Bible says he's taken Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian's flock, over to Horeb on the backside of the desert. Where is Horeb? Where is the backside of the desert? It's Sinai. The back side of the desert. When you talk about the back side of the desert, you're talking about the rear part of the desert. You're talking about the west side of the desert. So you'll understand. Okay, I'll give you a few facts to try to color in the picture. In the Bible, direction is always facing east. So when you are standing and you're facing east, you have the west to your back. Do you understand? So when it says the back side of the desert, it's talking about the west. So this is the direction he went. He goes to the back side of the desert, which is the west. Now, if you're facing east, that means south is to your right. 
It means north is to your left. So you'll be clear as to what the back side of the desert means. It means it's the western side. So he's moved over into the area known as Sinai. This is the place where he will receive the Ten Commandments in the future. This is the place when he leads Israel out in the Exodus, out of Egypt. This is the very location that he will bring them to. He will bring them to this very place that God meets with him on the back side of the desert or the westernmost part of the desert. Horeb, the Bible says, is where he went. And Horeb is the southern part of the Sinai Peninsula. Do you understand that? So that this encounter that Moses is about to have with God is going to be the very place that God is going to bring him back to along with his people when he gives them the Ten Commandments. It's Sinai. He's already, he's already going to be there. He had already been there before he brought those people to that place. He had already been there himself. The backside of the desert. Horeb is a part of Sinai. And the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. See, he just went there to Sinai, this area of Sinai, just to uh, feed the flock. Jethro, his father-in-law's flock. He's a busy shepherd. He's working. He's diligent. He's leading the flock to pasture land. They may travel long distances just to find pasture land to feed the flock. And, and good streams would be lo located there at Sinai and good pasture land. So he travels a long ways to get to this place just in order to take care of the flock. Because in the future, he's going to lead a different kind of sheep. And he's going to lead them to the same place. Do you understand what I'm telling you? And while he's there feeding the flock, all of a sudden, something supernatural happens. The God that his mother told him about, that Jochebed and Amram told him about years ago as a little baby before he even went into the palace of Egypt to become the prince of Egypt, this one God that his mama taught him about is about to appear this man, to this man. He's not a young man at this point. He's around 80 years of age. He's getting up in years. God is fixing to appear to him. This one that his mother and his father taught him about that he had never seen before, this invisible God that he had never seen before is about to manifest himself to Moses in an unlikely place. And the Bible says where that place is. It's located called the mountain of God. Why is Sinai called the mountain of God? A Horeb called the mountain of God? It is because this is where Moses is going to receive his call. And this is where in the future God is going to give the Ten Commandments. That's why it's called the mountain of God. And while he's there, verse 2. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire. Later we will find out that that angel of the Lord is none other than God himself. That angel of the Lord is none other than the Lord Himself. This is not just an angel in the bush. This is God Himself manifesting Himself in this bush. A bush. A shrub. Do you understand? what A thorn bush. He didn't manifest His presence in, in some stately oak tree. 
he manifested himself in a little old bush, a little old thorn bush on the backside of the desert. The point being is, any old bush will do. God in the bush is what is important. God manifested Himself in a place that you would not expect Him to manifest Himself in. In a little bitty thorn bush. On the back side of there. Maybe it's a little bit bigger than this. You know. But the angel of the Lord, which is just a term that speaks of the manifestation of God, the manifest presence of the Lord, appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a what? A bush. It's not even a tree. It's a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. He kept looking at that bush and that bush was on fire but that fire was not burning the wood. The bush burned with fire but it was not consumed. Well, first of all, it's a type. That bush is a type of Israel. In Egypt, they are in the fire of affliction in Egypt but they have not been consumed. It's a type of the church of the living God. You and I in this world, in this wilderness, in Egypt, afflicted at times but not consumed. You understand? That fire was not getting its support from the bush. That fire was not getting its fuel from the bush. It was a self-sustaining fire. Because that fire is the fire of God. It's the presence of God. He doesn't need support systems. He doesn't need anything to fuel Him. So He doesn't need the wood. You take wood. How many of y'all been camping before? Or you got a fireplace and you threw a piece of wood in the fire. What did it do? The fire consumed the wood because it needed the support. It needed the fuel in order to burn. And what eventually happens to that wood when that fire burns that wood up? What happens to it? What happens when it burns out? It becomes ash. See, here I was bragging on y'all how great y'all were going to be today. And y'all are looking at me like the teenagers were. <laughs> when you burn wood and that wood is, is consumed, that wood turns to ash. It burns out and it burns up. But in this case, when this bush catches on fire, it's not consumed. It doesn't turn to ash. Because God doesn't need fuel. He is a self-supporting... He has life within Himself. He doesn't depend on you. He doesn't depend on me. I depend on Him. He has life within Himself. Are y'all here right now? What a mighty God we serve. He didn't need that bush. He didn't need to consume that bush because He had life within Himself. He said to Moses, I don't need this bush. I have life within myself. I have a support system within myself. Uh, you with me? I don't need the bush. The bush needs me. I don't need Israel. Israel needs me. 
You know what will happen today, church? And see, this is very important for Moses to know because at one point in his life, he tried to do it on his own. His self-will. You understand? You know what will happen to every one of us today, including me? And I told somebody before I came up here to preach, I thank God for His Word because it ministers to me. If you're relying upon your own strength, on your own ability to get things done in life or to serve God, you know what's going to happen to you or to me? We're going to burn up and we're going to burn out. Let me say it again. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, they go through a time of burnout. I'm just burned out. You know? Preachers go through burnout. Preachers get burned out. They get tired. You understand? They just burn out and burn up. The church sometimes goes through a time where they're burn up and burn out. You go through a time in your life where you become ashes. And you know why? You know why we burn up and burn out? Because we're depending on our own strength. This is a word for me. I don't know if it's a word to you. Maybe you're, you're really not that active or whatever doing and serving God, but maybe you are. But I'm just telling you, if you're burning out and burning up today, it's because you have started depending on your own abilities. And what God is saying is this. If you'll come to me, you won't turn to ash. If you'll stop depending on your own self and start depending on God, He has life within Himself and He will come and He will help you and He will give you life and you will no longer burn out and burn up because God has life within Himself. But the problem with us is that we have lived so long trying to do it ourselves, and we're burning out. We're burning up. We're becoming ash. And I thank God today for the answer. Because when I'm relying upon my own strength, you know, and sometimes you're sitting and you're thinking so much and you're, you're just concerned and all these things are going on. You're battling, battling. And you find out you don't have any strength left. It's because you've stopped depending on Him. You started depending on yourself. And I promise you the outcome of that is you're going to burn out and you're going to burn up. And you will become ash if you go that way. And Moses needed to understand this. Moses needed to see this because Moses at a time in his life by self-will with no command from God he tried to be the deliverer of the people of Israel on his own are you here he tried to do it God says by this picture of this bush on fire but not consumed he's telling Moses he said Moses you've tried this before but I have brought you to a place Moses now where you are empty of yourself. You no longer have your own strength to depend upon. That 40 years on the backside of the desert, God was teaching that man, are y'all here right now? Telling him, you need to get rid of pride. You need to get rid of your self-will. You need to get rid of self. 
you need to start depending on me. You need to stop depending on the education of Egypt. You need to depend on God. So that when God appears to him, he's letting me see what I'm saying is that now he went through 40 years of education, Egyptian education. The last 40 years, it was on the backside of the desert where he learned how to be a shepherd. If you're a shepherd, you don't really put to work the education of Egypt. And God is showing him. It's not the education of Egypt that's going to do it. It's okay if you have knowledge. It's okay if you have education. But you can't depend on the education of Egypt to do it. You can't depend on your own strength to get it done. At this point, and I'm going to prove it to you as I go through the chapter, because as God gets ready to call him, as God manifests his presence in that bush, he's saying to Moses, Moses, any bush will do. It doesn't have to be an oak tree. It doesn't have to be any, it doesn't have to, just any old bush will do. What's important is that God is the one that does it. And God has brought this man to a place where he's empty of himself. He's no longer going to depend on the education of Egypt. He's not going to depend on his own strength. He's, he's done. His pride is out of him. His strength is gone. He doesn't have anywhere else to turn but to God. And so God says, this is what you need to learn, Moses, is a bush that burns with fire, the fire of God, but is not consumed. You let the one who has life within himself be the one that fuels you. You let the one that has life within himself who will not burn up or burn out you let Him be the source of your strength and the source of your might and the source of what you're going to do in life. If you will surrender yourself and get rid of your pride and stop looking to everything else in the world to get you down the road. If you'll do that, any old bush will do. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and help me preach. Tell him any old bush will do. Yeah. You know, I say, well, I'm insignificant. I'm not important. So since when does significance become important to God? No. God is significant. God is, He's the one that's important. Any old bush will do. I promise you today, and I say this in all truth and all sincerity, I'm a bush. And if God can use me, He can use anybody here. I promise you. And that's what God is saying to Moses. Moses, this bush is burning with the fire of God. But the bush is not burned up or burned out. Because its source of, are y'all with me? Is God. That fire is God Himself. So if you're burned out, burned up today, you know what you need to do? You need to stop depending on yourself. And you need to start looking to God. That's why that prayer room is so important. And I started to tell you Sunday night, or no, Sunday morning, because I ask everybody Sunday morning, be in the prayer room at 5.30. Because I felt the Holy Ghost say to me, and I didn't deliver the message, but I felt the Holy Ghost say to me that if you're not in the prayer room, and I'm talking about last week on at 
There's going to be things that are going to come to you this week, which has already passed. You will not be able to win. You're going to get defeated. You know why? Because you weren't in the prayer room. And the battle came. And God called you to the prayer room so He could help you, so He could strengthen you because He's life within Himself. He will give you everything that you need, but you have to avail yourself of this God. And I just simply forgot to deliver that message to you, but the Lord reminded me because there were things that some people that I know in the church were going through this week. And I thought to myself, did they make it in the prayer room Sunday night? See, do you understand what I'm saying? That's why it's so important to go to that prayer room. That's why it's so important to come to the house of God. You will never make it if you're not in the house of God. Getting the Word of God. Getting the fuel that you need. Getting the strength that you need. His Spirit is life. And everybody here, everybody here gets tired. Everybody here gets to a place where you feel like I'm just burned out. I don't know if I can go anymore. That's the place God wants you. That now God can use you. Now God can use you because you're empty. There was a time like in Moses' life, he said, I can do this. I'm going to show them I'm their deliverer. And that he, he was rejected. And 40 years on the backside of the desert, God was getting Moses out of Moses. See, there's people today, you're saved. I have no doubt in my mind you're saved. You're a born again believer, but you still have too much of you in you. There's too much of me in me. Hallelujah. When you finally get to a place where you say, I don't have any more strength. When you finally get to a place where you say, I, I tried and I'm just burned out and burned up. I, I don't know if I can keep going. When you get to that place and then you go to God in prayer. Don't just get to that place. Don't just get to that place where you're the end of yourself. Don't just get to the place where you're burned out. When you are in that place, say, I'm ashes, God, and I'm coming to you right now. And Lord, I want you to consume me with your fire. I need the fire of God in my life. The fire of God in my life will not destroy me. The fire of God in my life will not consume me. The fire of God in my life is telling me any old bush will do if you'll just start depending on God if life is wearing you down and wearing you out and you're nothing but ash right now the good news is you're in the right place if you want to be a bush lift your hand if you want to be something important you want to be stately like the oak tree you know are y'all with me right now? And you think you can do it? And God, yeah, right ever. God gonna say, yeah, you go ahead and try, and you're gonna get burnt out. You'll become ash. Now you not you might not be at that place right now, okay? You might not be at that place where you can receive this message, but Moses was. Moses no longer looked at himself and I'm going to prove it by the word of God as somebody I can do this and I'm going to show them I can do this I'm going to show them I got this you know don't they know who I am and how important I am 
Moses is going to be in a place. All of that is gone. He doesn't feel that way anymore. He's going to find himself on his face in the presence of God Almighty. Are y'all with me? And God's going to humble this man by letting him know any old bush will do, Moses. When you thought you were so important because you were the prince of Egypt, you found out you couldn't do it anyway. When you thought the education of Egypt was the answer, Moses has found out that's not going to get the job done. It's God. Do you hear what your, what your pastor's saying today? Hallelujah. Man, there's a lot going on here. I, I would like to know what's going on here. What's going on? Why is everybody walking out? And... Is there a problem, brother? One of the youth opened the gate up. Oh, ask him to open it. Okay. Just checking. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah, I knew something was going on. See, we got we got highly trained forces here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Any any unusual movement, man? They've been highly trained. <laughs> they're, they're the they're the what do you call them? Special forces. Uh, if that guy's got if he's got something up his sleeve, I wouldn't want to be him right now. We got the elite forces, man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. No, I really wanted to know what's going on. Thank you, brother, for telling me because I got movement here and movement there. It's my job to know. Say amen. amen. How many of y'all are thankful today that God has brought you to the end of yourself? When I, before I ever could get converted at the age of 18 years of age, God had to bring me to the end of myself. Where that life that was in the world, that, that party in life and running with my friends and doing it the ways of the world, God had to bring me to the end of myself at 18, brothers and sisters. He put me in a place at 18 years of age where I was basically by myself. And all I had was God. I quit all of that. I quit the world. I quit the partying. And I went running to God because I'm telling you, the world doesn't satisfy. All the world does is bring emptiness, pain, death, and suffering to you. And I got people that I'm preaching to, you know what I'm talking about. You need to remember where you came from. Before you got in the church, you were ash. And God came and gave you life from the dead. And now after you get in the church, for some reason, all of a sudden, you know, God starts blessing your life. And you start wanting to take credit for it. You know, you act like it was your brain power, your cleverness, your abilities, you know, that got you where you are. And God's looking at you and going, who are you? Who are you? Have you forgot where you came from? In fact, you might want to look and see where you still are. Before you, well, before you think you're too, you know, so important. No, any old bush will do, Bishop. Any bush will do. You just got to remember where God found you. 
Don't forget it is God that's blessed your life. If you're blessed today financially, if you have position and power and authority, if you're blessed, if you got a good job, you need to thank God for it. He's the one that is a self-sustaining life. And maybe this message today is going to humble us today. It maybe will humble me a little bit, humble you just a little bit to say, to know any bush will do. Before I start walking around thinking I'm so great and so important, you know. No, God says, any old bush will do. Hallelujah to the Lamb. What a great God we serve. If it wasn't for His self-sustaining power and self-sustaining life, I would be ash right now. I would be consumed. And I personally, I'm, on, I'm just going to be honest with you. Because the direction I was going at 18 years of age, if God did not save me over 30 years ago, the direction I was going, I, I personally believe with all my heart, I would be in hell right now. I would be burning in hell right now. I, I believe that with all my heart. I came too close to life and death when I was before before I knew God. Too close. There was a step between me between me and death. One step. But God, I believe, saved me just at the right time. But I wanted to be saved. I wanted to change in my life. Are y'all here today? Now I'm in the church and I'm blessed. I don't want to take the credit for it. I want to give Him the glory. I want to give Jesus Christ the glory. The only thing that keeps me going, that keeps me from burning out and burning up, is Him. We need this message, church. Amen. If you're just now coming, beginning to move toward God for conversion, thank God He saved you before you became ash. Now He's your life. He is your life. He's not a part of your life. He is your life. But if you've been living for Him for a while, and you've been going through some things, and He's been taking some of you out of you, you need to praise Him for it. Because He's simply bringing you back to a place where you say, Lord, I've been needing you all along. I, I thought I was doing it, but I've been needing you all along. I'm like that little baby, you know, that's held in the arms of the mother. And that little baby's holding on real tight to the mom's clothes or the dad's clothing. He thinks, or that baby thinks, that it's holding on to them. And then all of a sudden it goes to sleep. And it finds out it's not holding on to them. They're holding on to it. See, in life, if you're not careful, you think you're holding, I'm holding on to God. I'm holding on to God. Well, that's good. Go ahead and hold on to Him. But really, ultimately, if it wasn't for God holding on to you, if it wasn't for God holding on to me, yeah, go ahead and hold as tight as you want to, as long as you want to, but pretty soon you're going to get tired and you're going to find out it was God that was holding on to you. Give the Lord praise. Uh, you are absolutely nothing without God. I am absolutely nothing without God. I would have nothing, know nothing, and be nothing if it wasn't for God. 
And Moses has to learn this. Any old bush will do. Notice what Moses does. Is this helping anybody? Have you ever got... No, don't lift, don't lift your hand. But you got to a place in your life, maybe you are right now, where you're burnt out. And you're burnt up. You've even thought in your mind, I don't know if I can go anymore. I don't know if I can do this anymore. God's got you right where He wants you. But you're going to have to do something about it. You're going to have to go to the one who has life within himself that doesn't consume the wood and burn it up. And trust God to be your strength. Okay, okay, okay. For those of you who don't believe what I'm preaching by the word of the Lord, you try it on your own. And you see how far in life you're going to get. You're not going to get very far. Life is going to consume you. It's going to burn you up. Because that's what life does. Life, I'm talking about physical life. I'm talking about living in this world. It's a consumer, man. It'll burn you up. It'll burn you. How many of y'all ever been burnt before? It'll burn you. It'll burn you. And it'll burn you. And it'll burn you. You don't want to hear what I'm preaching? Then learn by experience. But God wants to save you from some things because experience is not the best teacher. It always comes with a horrible test. If you think, yeah, you think you're big enough to do it on your own, then try it. You'll find out after a while. Maybe take you a while. It may take you 40 years. I pray it doesn't take you 40 years. It took Moses 40 years on the backside of the desert to finally learn. Am I helping anybody? I don't, I don't want to. Listen, church. I still have a ways to go. I do. I still have a ways to go. I don't want to burn up and burn out. And the answer is this. Turn to the one who has life within himself. The one that doesn't even need wood to burn with fire. Do you understand what I'm preaching to you today? Is this blessing you? Is this helping you? You'll be amazed at what God what God can do in and through you. Things that you could never do. Amen. When you were in the world, you could never do it. Now God is in your life, strengthening you and empowering you. You're doing things right now that are impossible. Because you serve a God, a dynamic God. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And the Bible says when the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost, cloven tongues as a fire set upon each of their heads. And they're all filled with the Holy Ghost and begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. But they weren't consumed by that fire. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The word power means dynamite. It's dynamic. He's going to give you dynamic ability to live. Supernatural ability to live. You'll do things that you could never do without Him. As He comes to rest on your head, really to rest in your heart by the fire of His Spirit. When I got the Holy Ghost, I got the life in me. I got the one who is life in me. 
He's self-sustaining. He's self-supporting. He's a great God. He's in me right now. He's given me strength to live. He's giving me strength to go on. He's giving me strength to preach. He's giving me strength to serve. He's giving me strength. Come on. I'm not burning out. I'm burning up because of my God. I'm turning to Him. I'm looking to Him. And I'm saying, God, I'm a bush. And I know any old bush will do. Thank you, Jesus. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see the, this great sight why the bush is not burned. You know, some people, they don't even care. <laughs> they don't even care. It, it, you know, you say, okay, I wish God would appear to me in a burning bush on the backside of the desert like that. He is. <laughs> He's appearing that way right here in this church. He's appearing in your brothers and your sisters. He's here. He's appearing in a preacher today, right now. And I'm a bush. You're a bush. You're a bush. You're a bush. You're a bush. Any old bush will do. But what are you going to do when the bush catches on fire? What are you going to do when the church catches on fire, but the church is not consumed? What are you going to do? You're just going to sit there? No. That's the way a lot of people are. They're not impacted by a bush that's caught on fire that doesn't burn or isn't consumed. Not important to them. But the Bible says Moses turned to see. So why is that bush burning and it's not consumed? He was interested in what God was doing. I'm telling you the truth. God bless your heart. When was the first time you ever came to church? In, in, I'm talking about this church. A church that's full of the Spirit. Or a church that's full of the Spirit. That has the fire of God. And the first time you walked in, you were going, Wow, what's going on here? There's something different here. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's something different here. But you have to be like Moses. You have to put forth some effort. You have to say, what is this? What does this mean? What's going on here? Why is there fire here but no consumption? Why is there fire here but no destruction? You have to be like Moses. Say, I'm going to look. I'm going to check this out. I'm looking. I'm checking this one out. What? <laughs> Watch. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. See, it wasn't until Moses, see that bush that caught on fire that wasn't consumed, God was trying to get his attention. This is where Israel is right now. I've been with Israel in their affliction. This is where the church is right now. I've been with them in their affliction, but they're not consumed because God is giving them life. You understand? But you have to be diligent. You have to want to check it out. You have to want to discover what does this mean? See, I could stand up here and I could just tell you God appeared in a burning bush and I could go right on and not tell you what it means. No. You have to sit there and look. What does this mean? What is this saying? That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Moses looked at the bush 
with a desire give me revelation give me understanding what does that bush that's burning with fire and not consumed mean I want to know it's only when you turn with a desire to want to know then that's when God will speak to you if you have no desire to discover if you have no desire to have revelation as to what it means then God will not speak to you it's only when you turn and you have a desire to discover that the Lord called unto him out of the midst of the bush he turned aside to see he turned away from himself he turned away from his own ability he turned away from the education of Egypt he turned away from being the prince of Egypt he turned to God at this point in Moses life brother and sister at this point in his life he's finally going to totally surrender to God finally as he turns aside to see then God speaks to him and only then after he does what he needs to do, then and only then does God speak to him. And when the Lord saw he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Verse 5. God speaks back to him. He says, Draw not nigh hither. Keep your distance. The good news in the New Testament, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. In the New Testament, Jesus says, Come, because He's God come in the flesh. He's closed the gap between God and man. But there still has to be a reverence within us that when we get ready to approach God, you need to remember, yes, He's a God of love and mercy, but He is also a holy God, a consuming fire. And so God says, draw night near. You keep your distance. Okay? You don't, don't get too familiar. Don't get too comfortable. You're coming into the presence of God. You're not God. You're coming into His presence. So when you do, in a sense, He still calls you near. But in a sense, you have to stay distant in the sense that you respect Him. There has to be a reverence. There has to be a respect. You don't talk to God just any old way. With your old slang. You know, the way you used to be in the world, your old slang self and your pride and your arrogance and you talk back all the time about everything in any subject. Not when you come into the presence of God. You keep your distance because God is holy. You set aside some of that stuff that's worldly. You're getting ready to come in the presence of God Almighty. He's holy. Don't get too familiar with Him in the sense that you know, well, you know, some people, they, they get so familiar with the Lord. Is it Jesus? Jesus? He's the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Be careful how you use His name. His name is holy. You know, something happens to you, you hurt yourself, you use His name. 
because you hurt yourself. That name is holy. He's holy. You are to reverence Him. You are to respect Him. He's holy. Keep your distance. Moses. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. Why? Why? Because the place you're standing is holy ground. Moses, the first thing i got to teach you, God speaking, not me. He's saying to Moses, I've got to teach you the first thing about me, and that is not that I'm a God of love, but that I am a holy God. You will never be used mightily of God until you get a revelation that God is holy. Even the seraphim cover their face. Two wings cover their face. Two wings cover their feet. And with two wings they do fly. And they cry, Holy, holy, holy. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. They so reverence Him. They won't even look at Him. They cover their face. They cover their feet. They're, they're seraphim. They're burning ones. Standing in the presence of God before His throne. The burning ones. Because of the awe-inspiring God that they stand in the presence of. They cover themselves and cry, Holy. He's holy. So many people today, they want to talk about that God is a God of love. And He is. But the first thing you must learn is that God is holy. Look at your neighbor and tell him he's holy. He's holy. He's holy. That's the chief attribute of God. The chief attribute of God is his holiness. And if you're ever going to be used by God in any way, you have to be a person that has been embraced by the holiness of God. It beats in you. You think about it. You live it. You breathe it. He's holy. He's separate and apart from mankind. He's altogether unique from me. He's holy. If you don't learn that, you won't ever be used by God. No. No. Because you don't have a proper reverence for Him. You don't have a proper respect for Him. Yerabokosah. You, if you're going to stand before people and preach to them about this God, you have to have a fear in you. You have to have a reverential respect of this God that you're preaching about. Do you understand? And if you get that, the people will know. They'll know you fear God. They know you got a respect for God. But if you don't have that, they can pick that up. One of the greatest compliments that I was ever paid before I ever even started becoming a pastor, I was asked by the by my pastor to teach in a service. And I remember correctly, it was on a Wednesday night, and I taught a Bible study. And when I got through teaching that Bible study, some young child in that church told her parent, that man fears God. It came out of the mouth of a babe. That man fears God. That's the greatest compliment I've ever been paid in my life when that child said, that man fears God. 
when you serve Him, they must know, the people that hear you, that you're involved with, they must know that you fear God, you have a reverence for God, a respect for God. So God comes to him and reveals to him His holiness. Keep your distance. Take off your sandals because that's what shoes are in that world. Take off your sandals because the place you're standing on is holy ground. It wasn't a large cathedral. It was the desert. What made it holy was God was there. You're not going to like what I'm about to say. But if God is not here, remove the pews and turn this into a dance hall. Because this building isn't holy in and of itself. This location isn't holy in and of itself. What makes it holy is you're here. What makes it holy is God's here. You understand what I'm saying? It was the desert. He said the place where you're standing is holy ground. No, you don't, you don't like what I just said, but it's the truth. What makes the pew you sit on right now holy is because God's here and because you're here. You know what's going to happen to these pews? And if it, everything pans out, or I don't like the word pan out, but works out, they're going to take this and put these in the courthouse. They won't even be in a church. What makes them holy is God is here. You're here. Does that make sense? As soon as you walked in the front door, church, if you're the church of the living God, you made this place holy. The presence of God is holy. The Word that's preached here is holy. Do you understand? How many of y'all respect God like that? Take off. Take the shoes. Take your shoes off your feet, Moses, for the place you're standing is holy ground because God is there. It's sort of like saying, when you come to church, take your hat off because you're coming into the presence of God. Or, or when prayer is about to be prayed, you know, my son-in-law wears caps, and, but the first thing when, when we get ready to pray, whether it be um, we're about to eat something or whatever, I've never one time had to ask him to take his hat off. As soon as I begin to pray, he takes his hat off. And when I get through praying, he puts his hat back on. Same thing. Same principle. I'm going in the presence of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you do, give God praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. When we come in the presence of God, there's certain things that I feel like that we need to do out of respect and reverence to the Lord. Amen? We'll go, I'm going to church. I'm not going to a barn. I'm going to church. I'm going to dress like I'm going to go to church. Hallelujah. I'm fixing to walk in the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm going to dress like I'm going to see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God, God bless your heart. I, y'all, look at your neighbor and say, you look good. So I'm not picking at anybody today. I'm not picking at you today. You, you're welcome the way you came, just like you came. Hallelujah. I told you, you're looking good. All I'm saying, though, is that there has to be a reverence and a respect for the things of God. Amen? 
Because where we are, we're standing on holy ground right now. Holy ground. Are you thankful for holiness? It's the first thing God, when He met with Moses, has taught him. Verse 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. Now notice this. So now we know that this angel, the Bible says, called it an angel of the Lord, is God. The Bible says it's God. And when God begins to speak and God reveals to him that he's God, what did Moses do? Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. I don't have time to preach at all. Just, just when you read the story, read about how Moses turned aside to see. Look at what Moses did in the presence of God. He took his shoes off in reverence to the holiness of God. When God declares who He is, look at again the respect the man has for God. He hides his face like the seraphim. God is awe-inspiring. He's not the man upstairs. He's awe-inspiring. He's altogether unique and different from man. He must be held in reverence and respect by man. Moses hid his face with reverence and respect. Verse 7, God says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the land of Egypt, of the Egyptians, and bring them up out of the land into a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me, and I have also seen their oppression where the Egyptians oppressed them. God cared. He just had to get them into a place where they would seek Him. Hallelujah. Brother, He's a God. He's compassionate. He has compassion on you. He has compassion on me. He's merciful. Are you, are you thankful? And I promise you, those people in that cruel bondage crying out to God, I'm sure they came to a place that they probably thought, where's God? He doesn't care. No, He cared the whole time. I said He cared the whole time. He was at work the whole time. God, God was still there. Do you understand? Come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people the children of Israel out of Egypt. Come now! When God gets ready to do something there's no hesitation. He says come now! It's not well let's just wait and see. It's not when I feel like it. It's not 
maybe some other time. God says, come now. God have a call on your life. Everything that man would, would ever say to anybody that has a call on their life is found in the third and fourth chapter of the book of Exodus. It's all laid out typically. Moses has been 40 years training in the Egyptian palace. 40 years in training in the backside of the desert. Now it's, now it's time. Come now. Amen? And I will send thee unto Pharaoh thou mayest bring forth my people the children of Israel out of Egypt. Verse 11 And Moses said unto God He starts coming up with excuses. See I told you he's at the end of himself before he thought he could do it. When he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. When he separated his brothers those two Israelites. If you read Acts chapter 7 you will, you will find out the background of the story. He thought he you know, it was time for him to deliver the people. It wasn't time. They weren't ready. Now look at him. He's got a different attitude, doesn't he? I said, doesn't he? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Y'all yeah. living up to the prophecy. Amen. See, he's different now, isn't he? He knows, I can do it. You know, thank God there's some of the men that are called to preach in the church. You know, when we first talked to them, they, they said, yeah, we're called to preach. They acknowledged they were called to preach. And, they'd, and I'd ask them to preach. They're scared to death. I'd ask them to preach. They'd, they'd get themselves full of fear. You know? Would the God, they continue to have it. Because the moment you ever get to a place where you no longer fear standing behind this pulpit and preaching the Word of God is the time you need to sit down in that pew. Paul the great apostle says, I come before you with much fear and trembling. You ever use, lose the fear and trembling, you need to sit down for a while until you get that back. Moses is at the end of himself. He didn't say, hey God, yeah, you got it. You got it. Way to go, God. You know, I've been training. I trained 40 years. I was in Egypt, educated in Egypt. And I've got, you're, you're calling the right man. I'm the man. He said, God, I don't think you got the right man. Finally, now you're ready to be the right man. Finally, you're ready to be the right person. If you're a woman, you're ready finally to be the right person. Because you've stopped relying upon the things of the world. You're ready. Verse 11, Moses said unto God, Who am I? He didn't say, I am. He says, who am I? You know what he's doing? He's going to use it as an excuse. Now, okay. You're not going to sleep yet, are you? You're not tired? Aren't you glad I didn't 
preach the third and the fourth chapter? Okay. Are y'all with me? He's humble now, but his humility is going a little bit too far. And God's going to get a little upset with him. He's where, he's where he needs to be, but he's going to use his insignificance as an excuse. See, it's important that we stay humble before the Lord and be at the end of ourself, but it's also important that we don't use false humility to get out of His call. Because the moment you start using your humility to get out of His call, it's no longer humility. It's rebellion. Okay? So if God's brought you to the end of yourself as an individual, thank God, Lord, You brought me to the end of myself, but I'm not going to bring you excuses and rebel against you. Notice. Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? His first excuse is, I'm insignificant. You ever felt like that? You're just not important enough. You're just insignificant. Any old bush will do. I feel like that at times. Any old bush will do. Paul said it. He said, who is sufficient for these things? Even Paul felt like that at times. Any old bush will do. What's important is the presence of God in that bush. Who am I? I mean, significant. That I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Look at God's response to his excuse. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. You feel unimportant. You feel insignificant. You don't feel like you can do it. God says, my presence will be with you. I'll be with you. So God, I love God. I love God. I love Him. I love Him. It just blows my mind that a man could say this to God. Who am I, God? And that God would even waste His time with us. That God would come back and talk to us and says, okay, you know, you have this excuse. I'm going to give you the answer. Right? What is that answer? You feel insignificant? God says, I'll be with you. So God overcomes His first excuse of being insignificant by saying, I will be with you. Give the Lord praise. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people of it out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. I'm going to bring you back to the same place. So God promises, God says, you feel insignificant, I say I'll be with you. Number two, I'm giving you a provision, Moses. And that provision is this. 
you are coming back here in the future and my people is going to be with you. Now he's going to go through a lot, right? But the fact that God says, I'm with you and the people's coming out with you and you're coming back here, His presence and His provision or His presence and His promise is how God overcomes the excuses. So you start coming up with your excuses. Be humble. But don't use them as an excuse to get out of a call. Because God will just say to you, I'm with you. And if God's with you, He's significant. And I'm making you a promise. The people are coming out. And you're going to bring them right here. Wow. That's amazing to me. But I want you to notice what God says. He doesn't say you're going to bring them out and bring them in. Because God knows all things. He knows that Moses is going to fail him in the future by smiting the rock a second time. He knows that Moses is not going to be allowed to bring them into the land of promise. So he says, I'm going to send you to bring them out. But he doesn't say that Moses is going to bring them in. I want you to think about that. So God may call you to bring some people out. But if he don't say you're also going to bring them in, you better start thinking. You're going to bring them out, God, by me, but how you're not going to bring them in? What am I going to mess up along the way that Moses did? See, God knows everything. Now, if Moses would have been really, really in tune spiritually, really in tune with every word that God was saying, he could have said, just bring them out, not bring them in. He didn't. God knew Moses would fail. He knew Moses would get angry and smite the rock two times. And He knew Moses wasn't going to be able to bring him into the land of promise. He'd bring him out, but not bring him in. You with me? How many of y'all believe God's Word? Verse 10, Thou shalt bring forth My people. And Moses comes with the excuse and God says, I'm with you, but I'm going to bring you to this same place. Verse 13, Moses said unto God, the second excuse is, God, when I go, what's your name? His excuse is, I don't know your name, God. When I go, what's your name? I need to know your name. Who are you? You're talking out of this bush. Who are you? I mean, if I, just, if I go to the people and just say, you know, God said, we're going to do this, and there's a thousand gods in Egypt, they're going to say, which one? What's his name? Someone's going to use that as an excuse. I don't know your name. So what does God do? He reveals His identity. God's identity. Amen. 
Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? It's important to know his name, isn't it? You know, I tell you the name of the God that I'm preaching to you about right now is the name of Jesus. That's the God I'm preaching to you about. This same God right here that appeared to Moses in the backside of the desert is the same God I'm preaching to you about right now. His name is Jesus in the New Testament. Same God. In case you don't know who I'm talking about. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Powerful. Eye, Esher, Eye. Eye, Esher, Eye. I am that I am. Can also be translated, I will be what I will be. What God is saying to Moses, I am that I am. He's saying, I'm the supreme God. All the gods of Egypt are false gods. I am the supreme God. I am that I am. I, I am. When he says, I am, he's self, the self-existent one. The one who has life within himself that I've already preached to you about. I am. Amen? Not I was. Not I was. I am that I am. He's the supreme God. And what he's saying to Moses is this. I will do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, wherever I want to do it, however I want to do it, and to whom I want to do it with. He's not coming down and asking you for permission. He is I am. I will be what I will be. The invisible, the eternal God, the self-existent God. Are y'all understanding the Word? The one true God of the Bible. And later He will, he will say that He's the Lord. The Lord. I am that I am is, the, is connected to the Lord, Yahweh. yod heh vav hey. Amen. Look at it. The name's going to get the job done. The name of God. What is it now, Jesus? Do you understand? I want you to get me a verse in Isaiah 43, 11. I want to show them that we're talking about Jesus. Isaiah 43, 11. I am that I am. The, I, even I am the Lord. Beside me there is no Savior. Who's the Savior? Jesus. We're talking about Jesus in the Old Testament. The eternal God. No wonder we preach you the Gospel of John. I know you're getting tired, but I don't get tired. Because remember, I'm not depending on myself. I can just burn and 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 never get tired when I'm preaching. Now after I get through preaching, that's when I... Go home and take a nap. But. Amen? Who's the Savior of the world? Jesus. He's the God of the Old Testament. He's the eternal invisible God that became a man to redeem mankind.
the supreme God. Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. So the Eye Esher Eye, I am that I am, or I will be what I will be. He now says, I in the Hebrew he says, Yahweh. Yod Hey Vav Hey. The self existent, eternal God who's come to bring redemption to mankind. Amen. The one who's come to deliver us. The Bible says, now he knows his name. So he's overcome Moses' insignificance, the excuse of insignificance. He's overcome Moses' excuse of of identity, not knowing his name. What are you going to do now, Moses? God says He's going to be with you. God says He's going to bring the people out. You're going to return to this place. And now God has revealed this identity to you. What's your excuse now, Moses? Well, He'll have two more plus one in the fourth chapter. And I'm not going to preach it this morning. I'll preach it tonight. Two more plus one in the fourth chapter. But God is overcoming His excuses. And so God tells him, Go gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. Don't call two to three million people and have a conference. Go to the elders or the leaders and tell them, and then the leaders will go out from there and they will tell the rest of the people. Gather the elders. And when you gather them, tell them that I appear to them. Tell them that I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. Verse 17, he said, And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites. And Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. That's the message. God says, I'm coming to deliver. And when I deliver, I'm not just going to bring them out of Egypt. I'm going to bring them into the promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. The blessings and the provisions of God. God knows what He wants to do in your life. He's got a great plan for you. But He's got to get you out of Egypt first before He can get you into the place of blessing. And Moses, just so you know, that's me. I'm I'm adding. (laughs) They shall hearken to thy voice. That's important. They're going to listen, Moses. Because they're finally ready for deliverance. I have readied them and I have readied the land. And when you bring that message, they're going to listen. They're going to listen and do something with it. That's good news to any preacher. That's good news to anybody that's called to preach. Is that when you go with that message, the people are going to hear it. 
They're going to listen. They're going to do something with it, Moses. Now, we're going to see in the next chapter tonight, Lord willing, that Moses says, well, I don't think the people are going to believe. God already told him they are going to listen. So, you know, as I read this, it helps me as a pastor. Because before I stood up here to preach, I, I, I said, Lord, you already said to Moses, they're going to hear. And Lord, I, I believe that when I preach this morning, the people I'm going to preach to, they're going to hear. Are y'all with me? And when I come to preach tonight, when I preach the Word of God, I'm going to believe what God said to Moses, and that is you're going to hear again tonight. I believe it. But just so Moses don't get discouraged and don't get, you know, deluded into thinking that everybody's going to believe, God gives him the whole story. They're going to hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come down the elders of Israel unto the king of Egypt, and you shall say unto him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. See, salvation is connected to service, or service is connected to salvation. Once he gets you out of Egypt, then he wants you to worship. He wants you to serve. So he says, there's going to be some that will believe. And when they believe, then they're going to serve. That's how you know when somebody is listening. Because when they hear it and they believe it, they serve God. But verse 19, I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. So Moses, don't be discouraged. Don't be deluded into thinking that everybody's going to believe. What God is saying is some will believe, some will hear, and some will believe, some will not believe. And your call, Moses, is not predicated on or based on whether people believe or not. Your call is determined by the Word of God. So, are you with me? So Moses, when you preach, some are going to believe, but some are not. That doesn't mean you don't fulfill the call. That feeds me. Brother Dice used to tell us as I come to a close, that when you preach the Word of God, don't tell them everything you know, because you have to have something to feed on yourself. When I get through preaching today, I'll preach the Word of God thorough to you, but I'm going to have something to eat on. I've got some bread from God that when I get in my car today and I drive off this parking lot, I have bread that you know not of. God has talked to this pastor. And I'm feeding on that. And I thank God for it. Because sometimes you don't know how to see things. Until God shows you how to see it. So don't be discouraged. Church, when you go out there and you try to witness to your friends, you try to witness to your family, just remember, God, so you don't get discouraged, Moses, or you don't get disillusioned, 
Just know this, some will believe and some won't. That will protect you and that will protect me. Because if I stood up and I preached and every time I preached, you know, somebody didn't believe and I, be and I thought in my mind, everybody's supposed to believe what I'm preaching. I could get discouraged real quick. And so could you, right? I mean, you've gone to your family. You preach to them. You've talked to them. No, they don't believe yet. You get discouraged if you don't have those two statements. Some will believe and some won't. Okay? Verse 20. I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders. The plagues, the Bible calls them the plagues, were really were the mercies of God. I don't know if you realize that or not. All those judgments that hit Egypt, they were the mercies of God. Because God was trying to, was going to use His plagues to bring deliverance. He would even save some Egyptians if they were willing to be saved. His wonderful acts. But if you don't want to submit to God, then judgment. If you reject God, then those plagues or those wonders will be judgment. So he says, I will smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, will he let you go? So he's, God is telling him what's going to happen in advance. Judgment's coming on Egypt. Then after that, God says, then I'll let you go. In verse 21, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. It shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor. That doesn't mean with the idea we're going to borrow it and give it back. It's, 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 it's the borrowing kind like y'all borrow. See, some people, when they say, hey, I want to borrow something from you. Well, you're thinking in your mind, borrow means return when you get done with it. But in their mind, they have the biblical borrow in mind, which means, can I have it? Because when, when the Egyptians give them all of this wealth, Israel never gives it back. That's the kind of borrow that some of y'all have in mind is when I borrow it, I get it, and I don't give it back. It's mine now. Well, it's biblical, and you didn't even know that. <laughs> I'm saying that so you'll understand. Every woman shall borrow of her neighbor. It simply means to go and ask for it. Not with the intention of giving it back, but to ask for it. And her, of her that sojourn in her house, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, raiment, you shall put upon your sons, upon your daughters, you shall spoil the Egyptians. So that when they come out, they're not coming out empty-handed. When they come out, they're coming out with abundance of wealth. You with me? Gold, jewels, silver, gold, raiment. They're coming out. Amen? Put them on. Walk out. 
Why are they going to need all this wealth? God's going to feed them manna in the wilderness. He's going to give them water from a rock. Why do they? Is there a store on the side of the road they can go buy groceries from? No. Why? Why are they going to need all this wealth? Because in the book of Exodus, there's going to be a tabernacle. And that tabernacle is going to have all manner of precious stones, jewels, silver, gold, tapestry, beautiful tapestries. And it's all going to come from Egypt. The wealth of Egypt is laid up for the people of God. So that when God gets ready to build His tabernacle, every kingdom in the world, every kingdom in the mineral world will contribute to that tabernacle. And that tabernacle is Jesus. Will you stand? Father, we come before You right now. We thank You, Lord, for Your goodness, mercy, and grace in our life. As I leave from this place, God, I am fed. I'm encouraged. I'm strengthened in the call that You placed upon my life. I pray that the church is strengthened and encouraged in the call that you've placed upon this assembly in each individual. Thank you today, Father, that you can use any bush. As we look to you, Lord, we know that you're the one that has life within yourself. And it's you that we depend upon. And we thank you, Lord, as we trust you you made promises to us that you'll be with us and that you'll bring us out to bring us in. We thank you for the victory in advance. I pray you continue to bless this assembly, this church. Use your word, God, to talk to each individual at whatever level they're at in their life. Whatever place on the highway they find themselves at. Use Your Word today as I dismiss them, God. Use Your Word today to minister to each and every one. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen.